You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. This program is proudly brought to you by the Kiama and District Business Chamber. It's a pleasure doing business with you. Our local businesses are the backbone of our local community. Even in this connected world, you might find that exactly what you're looking for is right here already. Start with the shop around the corner. Do you recognise that sound? My name's Madeleine and I'm here at one of my favourite places in Kayama, Burnett's on Barney. I don't know about you, but I can lose myself in a nursery. It's such a wholesome place. Clean and healthy. And somehow a beacon of hope. If you buy this tiny seedling one day, you'll have these beautiful flowers. Or this majestic tree, and of course, if you buy this packet of carrot seeds, you too can be self-sufficient and live off the land. I know it's an illusion, but it's irresistible. I'm on my way to talk to Elizabeth Burnett, the brains and a lot of the work behind the business Burnett's on Barney. So, Elizabeth, it's, it's lovely to meet you, finally, and welcome to Kayama Community Radio. Thank you for having me. I just wanted to start by asking you about the rain. I mean, we must have had about 100 mil in the last couple of days. How does a business like this cope with that kind of weather? Well, certainly in terms of plants, it's, um, it's the key to everything. Having said that, I think we're a little bit over jumping in puddles around here right at the moment. I mean, I feel like in the last couple of years we've gone from one extreme to another, haven't we? You know, at one stage, if you'd said that you didn't want to see any more rain, it just would have been such a crime. Look, we just take what we get. Um, and the good thing about gardeners is that they don't mind getting wet. So they're still here, and that's beautiful. We just have to, um, you know, be a little bit damp by the time we get home every afternoon. Does it actually do any damage to the plants? Because obviously some plants like a lot of water and some don't. Well, we have overhead irrigation here and then we hand water. So when it's raining at the moment, it's more about managing that we're not um, overwatering. So we certainly have that job taken from us. Flowers tend to spoil a bit and plants like lavenders can get a little bit what I call manky when uh, when they get too much rain. Um, Some of the things like roses, there'll, there'll be a bit of black spot. But really, I think there's more benefit in rain than there is in the problems that we have from a foliage point of view. Can you give us a bit of a history of the of the business? Sure. Uh, look, um, Burnett's started with Burnett Trees. Its core is in our family. So Andrew Burnett, uh, my husband, is an arborist, a tree specialist. And uh, he and I came to Jamboree in 2001. And we hung out the shingle for Burnett Trees and we've had that tree care business, you know, for over 20 years and it's still going and it's, um, it's at the heart of this business here in the quarry. And we operated that in Jamboree for the first couple of years until 2012 and then we moved to Kayama. We needed more space and this site, this old quarry site in Barney Street was perfect for us, maybe a little bit too big really. So we came here with a tree care business but Quite quickly it became apparent that what had been McMahon's and then MJ Rolls as a landscape supplier was still a need in town. And after a short while we reopened that landscape supplies. And really, um, I'm very upfront, we had no experience in landscaping supplies and we had no intention to do that. Um, But one thing led to another and um, producing mulch and firewood as part of Burnett Trees was a natural 
flow on to incorporate into a landscape supplies and then that led to soils and mulches and then two years later we opened the nursery. So Burnett's on Barney and Burnett Trees are, are really, you know, intricately connected. Um, if, if you look at it simply, I guess, Burnett Trees was based around Andrew and then um, Burnett's on Barney has been sort of the passion that I've expanded for us. We have a son who's working in Burnett Trees at the moment and I think probably more important than that, many of our staff have had family connections. We have husband and wife teams here, we've had father and sons, everyone's a local. So there's a real sense that this is a family business, although it has the name Burnett. It's absolutely about the team that's working here. How many people do you employ? We've got 25 staff casually and full-time. Um, that, that can seasonally adjust a little bit. So you say that the, um, the quarry was really a bit too big when you moved in. Does that explain why you've slowly been expanding to fill it? It's really turned into a, a destination because it's such a well-defined space here in the quarry. Uh, it, you've, just been, you've just been obviously adding and, and expanding in all directions, which is fantastic to see. Thank you. That's very kind to say. Look, it's, um, it's been an evolution and maybe it's been a, a dream it has taken a lot of vision from staff and a lot of commitment to bring it to this stage. I will say that it started in terms of the nursery. I have no experience in horticulture and I, I don't hide that from anyone. My background is in journalism and PR. I love gardening, but really if I hadn't had Susan Finn join me as a horticulturist, I probably wouldn't have had the gumption to, to give this a go. But as I've become more comfortable in this space and understand our customers and what they're looking for, I realise that you know it's, it's all about service and plants are just one part of that product chain. So we've seen that people are comfortable in this space, they enjoy the rockscape, they like having the space to move around freely. And so we've just evolved around our customers' needs and, and, and their support for us, I guess. So yes, um, it's, um, it's certainly changed from just a, a small row of plants um, and a whole lot of bays of bulk products. But we feel that Kayama as a, as, as a community um, is really committed now to the concept of supporting the small local businesses and we've seen that change in our time as well. It's, it's not only popular but it's intrinsic to the way people are shopping and the way people are running, you know, moving around in their lives and so they're trying to stay in Kayama. You, know, you look at Kayama farmers markets that's a reflection of people's commitment to buying sustainably and staying in town um, and shopping with where they can, family-owned businesses that are doing a good job. Kiama, community for the community, it still by comes the community. with a lot of hard work and we have to deliver the service that a customer expects, not a product that we want to sell. And I think if you can separate those two, then, then you'll find something that gives you peace at night and um, hopefully puts food on the table as well, I guess. What kind of a shock was COVID when it arrived and how quickly did you manage to adapt to that? Well, COVID, I guess COVID was sort of the kale crisis because it produced overnight um, an instant commitment from everybody to be self-sustaining and to feed their family. The idea from the war times of sort of digging for victory suddenly overnight became true here as well. So we had supply limits and so we literally would limit people to three punnets of um, herbs vegetables any edible so overnight we recognized that we were in a whole new space of supply chain 
it was a very scary time to be, you know, literally out and about every day in the public space. Those first few months of COVID, there was a lot of fear from customers, a lot of misunderstanding, and our staff were under a lot of pressure. And although there were businesses that were in a much tougher position than us in that they were shut, nonetheless, operating day in, day out with the constant fear of taking home COVID to our families or to a customer was really real. But on the other hand, I think it really created a sense of community. People appreciated that we were prepared to do that and we were fortunate that our industry was considered an essential service and we were able to stay open. And then I guess there was the the other wave of COVID when suddenly we were um, not so much an island but the sea around an island. And so with Sydney and even Albion Park unable to come south, Kiama people were truly faced with the prospect of what does shopping local really look like because they couldn't go north. So over the border were all the big things like Bunnings and, and suddenly they had to look locally and they found, in fact, that they had much of what they needed already here. So again, that created another sense of community for us in that people were you know, joyously celebrating the time that they had to be in their gardens. They were finding ways to connect with their children over gardening and creativity in their own homes. And I think it was actually a time of joy. Now, I'm certainly appreciative that for many, the financial strain and the pressures of, of being at home um, you know, with kids and working from home was enormous. But uh, I think that there was a, a large section of the community that actually found a way to embrace that forced slowdown. So for us, it was just nice to be part of that. And we were appreciative to keep our jobs, appreciative to be able to employ more younger people at the time. And, and even some older people who had been made redundant as a result of COVID and who probably were facing the prospect of not being able to be re-employed. You know, it was a good story for us and it's also then allowed us to do the expansion that we had hoped to do and, and, and financially hadn't been able to before. So we've, we've basically channeled all that energy and financial support from the government into making this space somewhere that the, the community can really enjoy and so that we can have things like the Jazz Festival, you know, in two weeks' time. We've now got the, the, the space, the facilities... Um, you know, and the resources to, to enable them to come and to enjoy being in an outdoor garden setting for something as beautiful as jazz and blues. I mean, how, how lovely. Is that a new idea? It's a fantastic idea to have music in a nursery, but uh, was that one of your ideas? Look, uh, last year when we, we were in the jazz festival and with no notice, it was very short notice, uh, we weren't even on the posters, and um, many hundreds of people came and enjoyed it and embraced it and asked us to do more. And we've done some music on Saturdays. The next wave of COVID kind of closed that down. But I think we're on the brink of bringing that back in now and on a much more regular basis. And I'm thinking, you know, monthly, we now have a cafe facility that is on the verge of being open, we're hoping. And we've got lots of shaded areas and, and some beautiful spaces for musicians, you know, to come and play and for the community just to relax in an outdoor setting. So I think that's going to be a fun stage for us. Kiamacommunityradio.org. My name's Madeleine and we're talking to Elizabeth Burnett from Burnett's on Barney. I also hear that you're doing the crop and swap every fortnight, is that right? Look, crop and swap is really dear to my heart. Uh, we've been doing crop and swap here now for about three years. Uh, originally, it was um, based at the community gardens, but this space works for people bringing in 
you know, large amounts of homegrown vegetables, fruits, produce that they've turned into jams, pickles, all sorts of homegrown produce that they're swapping with like-minded people. There's no exchange of money. It's all very friendly and, you know, I think it's a fantastic initiative and I was pleased that I could give it the life that it needed. There's, you know, upwards of 60 people some months, which is great. And now we follow up each month with um, something that we call Grounded Gardeners. So we get a, a guest speaker in and uh, they're an expert in their field and it's um, it's always something garden related. It might be about beekeeping or aquaponics. You know, there's a whole range of subjects and every month we have a new guest speaker and quite deliberately a local because I think the concept that we need to go to Sydney or far afield to find an expert in a field is so wrong and that's perhaps one of the main initiatives that contributed to us winning the 2020 uh, Sustainability Award for Illawarra. That was also following the the fires. We did an initiative called Local Regrow, which promoted local wholesalers and, and promotion of um, growing natives for local wildlife. Look, that was, that was another success story for us, but really just a recognition of the sentiment that I think our community you know, has, uh, a commitment to sustainability, a commitment to local, community-based activities. You know, that's, that's what we're reflecting. So you also won the 2021 Retail Nursery of the Year for New South Wales and ACT. That's quite an achievement up against all of those nurseries in Canberra and Sydney. How did you manage that? Look, that one was a shock and we are still absolutely on a high. Uh, it's no secret that I'm so proud of a team that could achieve something like that, really. And I think we are also perhaps the first regional uh, nursery to receive that award. So for us, it's a great point of pride. And I think that perhaps we won that award simply because um, we'd found a, a niche market and, um, and we'd embraced it and our staff were enthusiastic. And I think that that enthusiasm has flowed through to the space that we have. So we've, we've got a very quirky style of nursery uh, we're not trying to be a Bunnings because there's nothing there that we see as um, something that we need to aim for. We, um, we are all about our customers. We've got a space that's, that's fun and, and the judges liked it. So, so did the judges visit and check you out or was it um, you know, secret shoppers or how did that work? It was all of that. So there was um, quite a long um, written submission that we were requested to provide. Then there were mystery shoppers. Then we had a formal judging from the head of um, Hort Australia, Karen Smith, a very esteemed lady in the world of horticulture. Uh, and she arrived on a day a little bit like today, absolutely teeming rain. She spent four hours in our nursery, which was at its drabbest worst, dripping, and <laughs> it, we really didn't feel that we had any sort of a chance. And um, the award that you won for Employer of the Year for Susan Finn, is it? Is that, uh, is that based on your reliance on Susan as a horticulturalist? Because obviously you're the business head and she's the plant head. Is that right? Look, Susan's worked with me and uh, we, we both opened the, uh, the nursery together, I guess, in 2014. So we've been together for a long time and uh, she's certainly been my right-hand woman in, in establishing the garden centre. But any one of our staff could have won that award and, and she acknowledged that on the night um, that she is just part of a team. Um, she's been a great asset to us and there's no question that we wouldn't be you know, the retail nursery of the year uh, without the contribution that she's made. So I very happily acknowledge that and I was so proud when she won that Illawarra Business Award. It was fantastic. Do you actually propagate uh, any of your plants here or do you just buy them in? 
Look, we're a retail nursery. It's although it's a large space, we're we're almost at capacity, and propagation is really best done by by wholesalers um, with a a very dedicated system and a dedicated sort of staff. We're retailing. We do have some what I call rehome plants, and that's when you know large landscape projects end up with plants that really shouldn't be put through a chipper and deserve to go in someone else's home because they're mature and they're transplantable. Other than that, everything's fresh, but grown by New South Wales wholesalers mostly. And wherever possible, we buy from the south coast because, again, we're committed to low miles, just like we have large bays for recycling pots, you know, and we encourage customers to come and take from those to do their own propagation. I have, on a couple of occasions, come across people in Kaima who have mature trees in their gardens that they no longer want and they've said oh yes we've contacted Burnett's to come and get them for us which I've always thought was fantastic because mature trees even if they're in the wrong place or you don't want them they as you say they don't deserve to go to the chipper. Yeah and look it's a great concept it doesn't always work Um, there's lots of complications around the logistics of access to plants and the weight and and some trees don't have the right root system to transplant successfully But where you've got the right plant in the right spot, we try to remove it. Um, We usually keep them for a couple of months to make sure that they've, you know, that they've made the transition and then they are for sale. There's also a bit of a fallacy. People think that there's a lot of money to be made from selling your plants from home. Usually what you can achieve is to save the cost of having them removed professionally. Someone like us might take them for you. Because the cost of labour to get them usually is about the same as selling them. But something, when something's in the wrong place, uh, it makes sense to see if you can find another home for it. I came in on, uh, coincidentally on Valentine's Day looking for some flowers and found a beautiful bunch of garden-picked flowers, which I was told have come from your garden. I mean, that's a fantastic idea. Where did that idea come from? Uh, look, garden-grown, I guess, is um, a concept that is all about miles food miles flower miles I've always felt that we should be embracing locally grown and wherever possible uh, I buy fresh flowers from any of the local growers I am a little bit of a a rose nut I have 120 plants and I produce a lot of roses and I don't find any greater pleasure than to either give them away or sell them sometimes I have them here and I literally give them away sometimes we sell them but it's, um, it's also about showing people how little it takes to make a beautiful bunch of flowers that you can often just use a whole lot of foliage that's in your own garden. And there's something really different about a bunch of garden-grown flowers than a florist bunch of flowers. You can tell they're so much fresher and kind of more immediate. Yeah, look, it's an old-fashioned idea, isn't it, that you know, we, we love flowers that smell, we love them that are fresh, and there's a great place for florists, but I think... During COVID particularly, there was a real crisis in the flower industry. And that, as a positive, has produced a great market now for locally grown flowers. But it also showed us that people were just looking for the simple joy of giving a bunch of flowers to a friend that smelt like flowers and came from someone's garden. And, and I was quite happy to, you know, to, to own up that they were from my garden. And Sometimes it's 3.30 in the morning and I'm out there picking them and wondering why am I doing this when I've got pots full of them to sell. But I think I perhaps get as much joy from that sort of Friday morning activity in the rain as I do from anything here because it's not really about making a dollar sometimes. Does that mean that you keep your business head for business hours and you keep your love of gardening for your private life? 
Oh, I'm in a happy space when I'm here. There's no question about it. But, you know, in my own garden, you know, I'll admit that I probably get as much joy from taking a cutting from a friend's garden as I do from taking something home from here. So I'm still very old-fashioned in that sense. Sunday morning, I have about four hours gardening at home, and I get great peace from that. I could weed all week here, but not get the same joy as I get from weeding for a couple of hours in my garden. Um, And if you don't like weeding, you really probably shouldn't do gardening, because it's definitely part of the joy of it. Uh, So tell us what's happening with the Jazz Festival Yeah, so the 12th of March, from 2 till 6, we've got three artists. There's um, Sign and Groove, Tall Sean, and then Kids Hank. And um, they'll be playing here in the middle of the nursery. There'll be lots of shade. There'll be drinks and food, kids' food, adult food, kids' drinks, adult drinks. And it's all free. Uh, So this is not one of the ticketed events. And I think hopefully um, I've got a good initiative in that we're um, going to run a small 12-seater bus around town so that people don't have to focus on parking. So we'll pick up from the le- near the Leagues Club and also down at the um, train station and blowhole, little blowhole shops as well so that people can just come across, enjoy the day, have a drink or two, perhaps go to another venue before or after. And um, we'll be donating the $5 bus fare to Lions So $5 will get you an all-day bus ride and you can go to any of the music that's happening around town. And that's um, just something that we've put on ourselves just to make sure that we um, manage the parking here. So just to confirm that, you're running a bus around town just on the Saturday, not just to come to Burnett's but going from venue to venue. Is that correct? Yeah, look, I I just felt that it was a good way to to bring people from one event to another and... um, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend and we just can't wait to be part of it. It's going to be really fun. What, what do you reckon Burnett's is going to be like in 10 years? Oh, look, I, 10 years' time, I think... I would like to think that Burnett's on Barney is still very much part of the community. I would like to think that by then the cafe will be, well, certainly open and perhaps part of people's regular weekly activities. I'd like to think that gardening is still intrinsically part of the way our um, our community is focused and... I don't know that we'll be able to expand our facilities much more, but I I do think that there's plenty of opportunity for this place to grow in terms of its music and activities. You know, there's yoga proposed by some people to to happen here. Lots of community space. Uh, I'd like the emphasis on food and food production and homegrown food. You know, there's an opportunity for some of the local producers to be involved here as well. Again, you know, it could be a space that people enjoy all sorts of local produce with that emphasis on you know, in a community hub, who knows where it'll go. And finally, what's the best part of your day working here at Burnett's? I love working with our team during the day. There's no question that, uh, that the joy I get from, from them is what keeps me going. But when you close the gates in the afternoon and you see the hawks circling with the quarry walls in the sunlight of the late afternoon and it's quiet... And, uh, and the heat dies down. It's a very special place, and, uh, and I think the plants give me as much joy as the fact that I know that I'm part of a really happy place. That's fantastic, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for talking to us, and I hope things go well. Thank you very much for that. Thanks for the job that you guys are doing. I think you're, um, you're increasingly becoming a, uh, you know, a, a, a well-researched unit and people are finding out lots of information from you i know that i try to tune in whenever i see it come up on my facebook i'm straight on right what's the next episode so 
um, you've been on the money so far. That's very sweet of you to say. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Join us next time when we talk some more to the guys who run the shop around the corner. You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. This program was proudly brought to you by the Kiama and District Business Chamber. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.